It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. What's up, y'all? So last time I told you I didn't know who I had coming up next on the pod, but I knew I had some dope people lined up to talk with. And, you know, keeping it real, you never know who's going to pop in. Everyone's got busy lives. You know, I talked to a lot of folks, and we made it happen, especially if you're one of Hollywood's most badass movie producers. And that brings me on to my next guest for the pod this week. It's insanely dope to get this guy. He's the one, the only Dana Brunetti. I don't know if you know his name, but you sure as hell know the movies that he's produced and the TV shows he's brought to life. He's the Oscar and Emmy-nominated producer behind the critically acclaimed movies like The Social Network and Captain Phillips, as well as straight-up blockbusters like the Fifty Shades joints. Oh, and he has a little show you might have heard of called House of Cards. Yep. He also is a studio head at one point and a business partner, Kevin Spacey, and a vet, too. He spent some time in the Coast Guard way back. But, of course, the thing that really launched his career was a silent movie that he made in film school. It was his first film, starring me. I was rolling a doobie. And it was about continuity, I think. <laughs> we talk about it. So naturally, he was destined for big things, you know. Yes, Dana and I go way, way back. Uh, almost 20 years, I think. And on this episode, we get to talking about the troubles we had being straight-talking New York dudes on social media. Also, how being a vet changes your perspective on stuff. And this is very true. For all you vets out there, you can understand what I'm speaking on. Now, especially when your career is in the fickle town of Hollywood and the movies and, and music business. It gets a little tough. These people do not know what they have to go through. Anyway, Dana requests an update on Korean Bodega, of course, because it's a great song. But right after, I ask him if everyone is always pitching him ideas for great movies, which is, you know, hilarious. Anyway, tune in and get the scoop from my man, Dana Brunetti, the badass Hollywood producer. Yeah. I appreciate you doing this, Dave. It's been a long time. We actually haven't hung in a minute. Dude, a minute. It's been it's it's been a, an hour. Yeah, actually, <laughs> you're right, man. I'm just I was just looking. My my phone just went. It's like they're having the elections over here tonight. But I just saw like picture of my kids. I don't think you even met my boy, right? Nah, because I have a I little. I, I got a little girl now too. Indiana is like a year and year and three quarters now, man. It's crazy. That's insane. I got a four-year-old daughter. Yeah, yeah. I said I saw she got the ill treehouse, dude. <laughs> dude, that treehouse is so dope. You don't believe. Every time I get the bill for that for something new that's going in there, I'm like, oh my god. So he, I can't believe I'm spending so much money on that place, but she loves it. So. Yeah, yo, it's your baby girl, man. It's totally different. Having a son is cool and all that, but having a girl, it's like you know, you can only spoil your 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 girl girl so much. You got a little girl. It's over, man. It's over. Oh, dude, everyone told me that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, 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 sure, like, whatever. yeah, they were right, man. Because <laughs> Fast, Fast is a little girl. Frank's got a little girl. So they all told me it was coming, man. Yeah, no, I had no idea. And I also, too, I was like, I always thought, like, I want a boy, I want a boy. And then when we're having a girl, I'm like, ah, whatever. And then, but fuck, man. I was like, she got me so wrapped around her family. Mm-hmm. Like, See, my, my girl doesn't even talk quite yet. She says words and stuff, man. But I, I'll... Once she figures it out, I'll go do it. You know what I'm saying? You wait. You, wait. you just wait. She's four and she's fucking manipulative. You think girls have worked you in the past? You ain't seen nothing, man. That's awesome. <laughs> it's literally, it's like, what? Oh, what? Okay, yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's very cool. I'm glad you're in a good spot then, man. So you, uh, yeah. how long have you been in there? You got enough whiskey to keep you for a minute. Dude, I got so much fucking whiskey. This is all from... 
uh, and then you know Jameson. I do this project with Jameson too, so I have a whole. <laughs> you have a Jameson I have a, wing. I have a I have a cask at the distillery in Middleton, Ireland. Wow. I should sing something. Can you put me on the list? Put me on the list, man. <laughs> well, yeah, no, because it's it's like $3,500 a bottle, but they get, I get it all for free because they gave me the whole cast, and I was the first person to get I was like their beta user of the, it's called the Cast Club, and uh, they had me come over and do the whole thing. And then they started selling these things, and Chinese are buying for like $700,000 a, a barrel. And so I have one of these barrels that they're selling for, you know, that much, so I figured out how many bottles I have left. Stop thirty-five dollars a barrel. <laughs> the problem is, though, I can only bring two at a time here to the U.S. You know, in my check luggage. Yeah, that's right, right. And so the only time I can get it is when people are coming over. But to London, I can have I can have it shipped to you. So I'll I'll have them send you a couple bottles. I'll do right on, man. Things are slowing down around the the, uh, the Morgan Homestead, though, man. I I don't really go out much anymore. And when I do, it's like I, I notice that I'm a little bit shy i mean i we used to go deep i was talking to uncle mike earlier man and we were talking about bungalow eight and it was like wow <laughs> we just realized there's so much stuff we can't talk about but that's good because there's like some decorum still in what we yeah. have you know what i mean it's like the things you just don't talk about and like i, I just see well, like, it was even even before bungalow eight it was lot 61 yeah before lot 61 was met bar yeah exactly man. <laughs> it goes well, back and well, back again you want it you want to hear how fucking crazy something is? Because literally I'm moving and I have this fucking thing and I still never know what the hell to do with it. And I came in here and I was like, holy shit, I'm about to talk to Yuri. <laughs> Remember this motherfucker? Oh, oh yeah, you got the mortar, man. <laughs> <laughs> that was crazy, man. You the bomb, Dana. Is this fucking thing live? No, no, it's not live. It's a, it's a practice round. He, Are you I'm, sure? Because I'm like, I'm like, fuck, man. This is <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's totally not. It's not, man. It's, it's totally like used up. It's a practice one. To show people how they put the fuses in them and stuff like that. All right. Fucking, <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. I get pulled over to farm squad or something ends up in my house. And you see it like they fucking think that's why I shave my beard. I don't think I'm Paris fucking traveling over here from Los Angeles to Toluca Lake with this thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, you know what? I, I was I was I was talking to Becky earlier, and I was like, oh, you know, me and Dana, we, we both were talking when we first met about enlisting in the military, right? And I think that's kind of like. You know, you see a lot of guys now because there's been 15 years of like this constant war thing happening. But you see yeah. a lot more veterans, right? And I, you know, and I know that this is it's kind of a double edged sword where you see more veterans because there's been more shit. But I think the more veterans you see, it's kind of cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. and it's also, especially in your line of work, right, man? I mean, how many more guys do you know that served that are your age group, right? Well, you don't see many in my age group that that served in, in, in my business. When when I do run into somebody, it's definitely um, there's like that brotherhood. Yeah, you know, it's like yeah, you you did your time, I did my time. It's like it's almost like you, it almost like you went to prison. <laughs> yeah, in a way it is, man. It's it is kind of a prison in a lot of ways. I know it shook me up when I first got in there, man. But oh it, yeah, no, but it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still secret, you know, just that yeah. you know, but yeah, I, it sets you apart from everybody else. You know what I just discovered? I've spent so much freaking money at Home Depot and everything, but in California they found they started putting veteran on the license, a driver's license, mm-hmm. and uh, you get veterans discounts. I feel like I'm, a, I feel like a retiree. I go in, I'm like, ah, I need my uh, veterans discount, ten percent off. Boom. <laughs> Boom! I, yeah, I, I I got one for for uh, doing the radio. I had like uh, an ID card that I could show, and then like I was like, you know, I don't really want to show that ID card anymore, man. Blown up their spot. I think it was only three percent though. If it was ten percent, I'd be putting that shit oh, on my license, man. Particularly moving in a new house, I'm in Home Depot every day, and I'm, I go in there, and I didn't even realize what happened was I had a, not this hat, but I had because I have a trigger tree hat that's made similar to this, mm-hmm. it's the trigger tree productions, and it looks like this. And the girl looked up and she goes, "You, uh, she goes, uh, you're, you have your military ID." And I was like, uh, uh, "No." And she's like, looked at my hand and she realized it's a trigger tree production. I'm like, "Oh, I like, but I, I go, but I do have." And I pulled out my license for a veteran. She's like, "All right, I'll give you the ten percent." Boom! I was like, "I could have been getting this the whole time." <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, though, man. That's a good thing. I mean, there, I mean, there is kind of, it is kind of this, you know, over over in the UK. There's they got some they got some cool love for their veterans and stuff like that, but. You know, it is kind of it is kind of like a situation where only a few people find themselves in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, dude, I, yeah, there's no. there's a one question. Like, do all your friends who aren't in your line of work tell you they got great ideas for movies? 
Are you kidding? I mean, it's, <laughs> I, 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 let me just tell you how many I got today. <laughs> are they, but did, I mean, do any of them come up pretty good? Did anyone say, hey, you know, that Fifty Shades is a good idea for a movie? Or Well, Fifty Shades is a whole different thing, but we can talk about that separate. Are we recording now? Are we going? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I like your style. You just fucking wing it and go. Well, the thing is, what I do is I'll send you a copy of it before I ever think about putting it out. So I mean, you. I don't you, care, yeah. dude. I, you do what you want. Um, <laughs> all right. It, 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 you know, dude. I'm. I say shit all the time. I get myself in trouble constantly. So I don't but, but, you know, I love that about you, man. That's one of the reasons we still hang, bro. Is you outlawed, <laughs> man? You pirating it out there, man. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, most ideas, even people that are in the business, most of, 99% of the ideas are absolute shit. So it's, you know, it, it, it's, it's tough. So it, that's the, the, I think the hardest part of my job is wading through the shit to get to the gym, you know, mining through just to find that one thing. And then, then it's a whole other thing. Once you find that thing, that, it's, that, that story is good or you think will make a good movie. Then getting made is that's a whole nother fucking pushing rocks up hills. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. But, it's, and, 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 but a lot somehow a lot of shit gets made too. That's just that it's shit. Um, but it's I always say when I get a movie made that I slip one through the net when no one was looking because <laughs> it's like everything is piled against you to to water down and overdevelopment and make it as much shit as it can be from a great story to a not as great story. They try to water it all the way down just enough to not get it made. And then some of it still gets through. If I'm able to get one that get it through and get it made, that's one thing. But to get it through and get it made and get it made well in, in, in the way that I originally saw it, that's, it's phenomenal when you can pull that off. But, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a business full of a lot of crap ideas. And that's part of why I hate telling people what I even do. Like, I have tons of workers running around here right now. I don't, I don't want, I mean, I'm sure some of them know what I do, but I don't want to know because they'll fucking start pitching me ideas. I know you yeah, do. <laughs> I'm not joking. They will. <laughs> well, I know a lot of people want to tell me uh, to keep uh, writing other Scooby Snacks. I get a lot, that a lot. So I know how you feel. But just do it, a sequel. Just do the sequel. Oh, yeah. We, we're, actually, we're, we're, in the stu- we're in the studio now doing uh, another mimosa. For real? Yeah, for real. Yeah, so I'm going in tomorrow with the boys. I'm in there tomorrow morning. You got to do uh, You got to do another... Um, here, now, look, here, I'm doing it, too. <laughs> you got to do another... Uh, you got to update You got to update Korean bodega. Yeah. You got to set London. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I've been trying to get a bodega around, you know, but they didn't really have no bodegas over in London, man. Well, now, you, that, what is it, a falafel shop or what? <laughs> but you know what? It's literally in, like... In call, yeah, it's like an off-license, they call them. It's just like kind of... Uh, Kind of a deli, but does it stay open late? Does it stay open late? Yeah, not, not like a Korean bodega. Not a Korean bodega. They don't close, man. They, when they, when they yeah. start getting tired, they cook bacon. You know, they put, <laughs> they put the bacon there, on. Boom. There's only there's a, there's only 24 hours in our days. There's 26 hours in a Korean <laughs> bodega. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, man. It's like dog years as well, dude. Dog years as well. Yo, so w- one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was being, like you said, un- unapologetic. You're just you, dude. And and being in like a situation in, in, I guess, Hollywood, for lack of a better term, right, that is very, I guess, very over-calculated, over-thought to a point where it's like, it's kind of boring. And then, you know, I see you and you haven't changed a goddamn bit. And I think that's great. <laughs> no, in a good way. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously, you know. Uh, but it, well, look, Huey, and, and don't let this go to your head, but do you know that my first film that I ever did, who the star of it was and where it started and what it was. Yeah, I remember. I remember yeah, that was a good one, though, man. I, I believe it was some of my best work. <laughs> well, yeah, I think you should tell everybody what it was that we were doing. Well, uh, you you were doing you remember you, you were doing a film. You were at film school and you needed to help out for some subject matter. And I happened to be in your backyard at the time. I was like, why don't <laughs> you just film, why don't you just film me rolling a doobie? So yeah, it was it was me rolling a doobie. Yeah, but no, from, it was my first film subject. It was my first film I did at NYU. And I had to show continuity, and so yeah, you yeah, did a lot of one. different takes of me, like, "Oh, keep the two piles," you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was literally the, in the first film of continuity was how to roll a joint. <laughs> say, you know, Sorry, man, you. Yeah, you know what? I think I, that was a great place for you to start. It just got it went up from there, man. You know. <laughs> so yeah, so me being unapologetic, I did. You know, I, I, I guess I started there because I, I, I think I was the only one at NYU Film School that their first film about how you know it was basically about drugs and how to roll a joint and <laughs> marijuana wasn't as acceptable then as it is now 
Um, not to not to say anything about our age. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's, it's legal most every place now, though, man. Especially out where you are, man. Dude, I remember when you got a, it was shortly before that you got arrested riding around on your bike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. What do you mean? You got put in jail? Oh, a BMX bike. I was on a BMX bike, man. Me and my boy <laughs> Mateo. Mateo. Oh God. Yeah, I mean, it's times have changed. Now I'd be celebrated as a, as a revolutionary. Huh. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but uh, to your point, um, yeah, this this town is full of everyone is walking on eggshells. It's a very scared town. Um, everyone's afraid to say no because. They think it might turn into the big thing, or that they'll piss somebody off. Or, but they're also they don't want to say yes because if they do and it go it bombs or whatever, no one wants to take any responsibility for anything. And everyone's so overly PC to the point where it's just you know, look, I'm very I'm moderate. I'm not a liberal. I'm not conservative. I, I swing both ways on different different views, different opinions. Um, you mean like a human being normally does, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, not like a fucking sheep. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's what this, and, and so a lot of people are always afraid of stepping on toes because, ooh, I might want to work with them one day, or ooh, they might, you know, give me a job one day, or, you know, fuck that. If you're going to run around that, you don't, you don't have any opinion, you don't, you, you don't stand for anything, you, then you're not going to be good at what you're going to do. You're just going to be another fucking cog in the wheel, and you're going to be, you know, following somebody else's lead and, and, and not doing your thing. And I think that's really one of the big reasons I've been able to do I've made a lot of ways. I pissed a lot of people off. I did a lot of things that people said I probably shouldn't have done. But if I look back, if I didn't do those, then, you know, I probably wouldn't be where I would. I know I wouldn't be where I am. To that point, though, I also see a lot of people that come in and are like, oh, people that make it, like Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez, and then they're, you know, they're badasses. They don't follow the rules, and you know, so I'm not either. And so they come in and be disruptive just to be just not disruptive yeah. in a good way, but just disruptive, and they want to do their own fucking things. They think they know best. That's not what you want to do either. There's still rules, and there's still a line you've got to follow, mm-hmm. but you, know, you don't have to be worried about fucking hurting people's feelings. Yeah, I was, you know, from an outside point of view, when I was growing up, I always thought like actors were probably the most resilient people in the world because all they do is just get knocked down their whole entire lives. You know what I mean? It's like I knew working actors in New York, like stage people, and you're like, damn, I, that's fucking tough to do that. And then yeah, this new generation, they're all like, oh, uh, Oh, that hurts my feelings. Yeah. I remember the first few castings that I sat through, I was like, I fucking could never be an actor. Because literally all they do is go around town from one meeting to the next into these castings and just get rejected. Mm-hmm. Rejected. Like, if, if they have five auditions to a date, most likely they're going to get rejected five times. Because there's only one person that's going to get that job. And there's a line out the door for each one of those. So they just keep going around every day, getting rejected, 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 rejected. So you got to be a tough motherfucker to be in this business. That's for an actor. You have to be a tough motherfucker to be in this business at any level. The actors are a special breed because <laughs> it's just it's all day, every day. Writers, you get rejected, you get notes, you get bullshit. Your script gets, you know, it's like same thing. Cruz, I pitch shit all the time. It gets rejected, or it doesn't go anywhere, or it gets set up, and you get it going forward, and just as you think it's about to happen, and financing falls apart, or just the studio, you know, executives change and your project that you worked two years on is just gone and, you know, nothing's happening with it. Um, director, everybody in this business, it's it's a tough business because you never know, we're like gypsies, you never know where you're going to end up, you never know what's what's going to happen. It's not like working, you know, a, a mill job or working, you know, a, a, you know just a regular office job where you go there every day and you know basically what's going to happen. It's very unpredictable. That said, it's a fucking awesome business too if you can make it. But you know, I've I've, I've done all aspects. And, you know, I started I started as a fucking yeah. assistant in this business. Yeah, I mean, I remember when you did that. You did the Ground Zero, uh, a year at Ground Zero movie. That was, I mean, that was pretty. That was like one of your first films, right? The first, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a documentary that came out. My first uh, documentary was uh, about it was about um, this guy living upstate New York who who loved oh, dude, electric- Frank, yeah. I'm Frank, yeah. Yeah, yeah, dude, 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 I remember that shit, dude, yeah. Fuck yeah, man, good movie, too, man. I thought that one was after, but was it right afterwards or right before? Uh, that was right before, and then I did a year of Ground Zero, but I just kind of came on the end of that just to help get that, that completed. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I picked up the rights to, to bring it down the house, which became 21. Yeah. And then that turned into, you know, that took six or seven years to get made. Um, in the meantime, I did uh, the... The first one I did was the one I just got into the 
Twitter battle with Alec Baldwin about uh, his <laughs> first time. What you got into that dude? So he just he just does not. He's Irish. That's what it is, man. Them Irish dudes be sitting around getting real upset and offended at shit that's on social media. They have like a drink so or two. Be some random girls walking behind me here. I figured as much, man. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, no, that. Uh, um, yeah, social media has caused me a lot of trouble. <laughs> you know, it, it, me too, man. Me too. And you know what? It's because we're a little bit old school about stuff. I mean, just the way I know yeah. we grew up in like a similar kind of circumstance. It's like, you know, if someone says some shit about you, you'd look them in the eye and be like, what'd you say? And then it goes yeah. from there. It's like the Twitter thing. It's a, it's a, it's a new generation being able to curse each other out and not getting upset about it. Yeah. No, I, uh, yeah, my last battle was the one with Alec and you know, somebody sent me, they sent me the, uh, the, the blurb that from his book, you know, saying that he didn't find out that Nikki was 17 at, until after, uh, and she was actually 16, not 17. And didn't find out until after shooting had ended, and that he then blew up on the producers or erupted on the producers. Whatever he said, if he would have just said, "I didn't find out that she was 17 until shooting ended," and left it at that, I'm like, "I find whatever he's a fucking liar," and I know I know the truth, whatever. But then when he drug me into it as to basically make it look like we did something shady or you misled him in some way, I'm like fuck that, I'm gonna I'm gonna call him out on it. And everybody, like everybody, CAA and everyone, are like, are you fucking crazy? What are you, you know, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't give a fuck. It's the truth, and I'm gonna put it out there. <laughs> so then, when he came at me, then everyone was like, what the hell are you doing? Hey, you know, he's fucking crazy. I'm like, yeah, but I'm fucking crazy too. Yeah. So bring it. <laughs> I don't think he, I don't think he thought he was gonna get the response that he got from me, and that was gonna turn into what it was gonna turn into. And I actually gave him warning. To, we actually shared the same agent. And I called his and our, our agent and said, hey, you better fucking call him and let him know that. I know he knows me a little bit, but he doesn't understand that I'm just as crazy as he is. So you better call and let him know that if he fucking keeps coming at me, I'm going to come back just as hard. And the agent was like, I'm staying out. As I'm like, just between you guys. I'm like, no, you're in this because you represent both of us. So my next tweet, I fucking included him. Fucking pull his ass right into Yeah, get the Asian involved, man. That's what you get for your ten off the top, son. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I, I I gotta get this guy's name. I like the way he operates, man. Well, dude, uh, Matt Del Piano. <laughs> Del Piano. We'll be talking, dude. We'll be talking. <laughs> Stay right where you are. Don't move. Don't move a muscle. Don't move. The sniper's got you. We'll be back after this. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I remember I, th- there was this there was this time I think when I guess right when you started doing Trigger Street and I guess it was right before the social media thing happened the movie that is right and you were like I remember we were talking you're like yo 
I really fucking like this. I'm going to go kick this shit in the ass. I mean, not, I'm paraphrasing, but you're like, yo, I'm going to go for it, man. And then you just, like, the next thing I know, you were up for, like, Oscars and shit. I was like, that's, <laughs> that's I mean, well, you know, because, I mean, when I do what I do with the music, I kind of, my success was because I knew that I could envision it and, and all that kind of thing. Yeah. I'm just trying to probably ask, did you have that, did you have that idea that you were going to get rich or die trying kind of thing? You were like, I'm going to do this or it's going to fucking kill me or whatever. Yes and no. I mean, it's, it's, I never really, in, you know, I don't want to sound cliche. I didn't do it for the money or accolades or anything. Well, I, I meant that more of like an attitude kind of thing. Like, yo, I, this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to be great. Oh, yeah. No, you, if you don't tackle a project that way, then you're, you know, you have to go at it that way. Because it's, it's hard enough to get a film made, period, or hard enough to do anything in this period. So if you don't, you know, go at it with a, with a vengeance like that, it doesn't matter if it's, something that turns into like social network or a small independent movie that no one ever sees. You have to go at it with a vengeance. Um, and with that, um, going after the social network, that was one that I just knew that it was a great story. No matter how to do with Facebook or not, it's just a core story yeah. was good and something that fit right in my wheelhouse. Um, but yeah, when you go after something like you, you can never, it's like when you write a song, you don't know how well it's going to be embraced or how well it's even going to turn out. Yeah. You might, yeah done and be like yeah actually it's all right but it's not it's not my best song um and you don't really know until the end but when it works out that's you know the best thing that there is like fucking hey all that work and everything it paid off and not not just financially but it paid off because it's embraced yeah do you think that's because you trust yourself oh I mean, fuck I, yeah, yeah exactly. if you trust yourself you're gonna be like yeah. <laughs> come on you walk out on stage in front of thousands of people if you don't trust yourself you're not gonna be able to fucking do that yeah, yeah. I, you know I'm going after you, know, Captain Phillips. I had to get the rights for that. The guy just had three Somali pirates fucking sniped in the head right next to him. He's on his ship. I'm on a phone calling his family. Like, <laughs> oh, like right after he's fucking rescued. Now I know he's alive. I mean, you gotta you gotta have some confidence and trust. And then get on a plane and fly to Vermont and sit down and have dinner with the guy while he still has bruises around his wrist from being bound. That and saying, I want to make a movie about you. Most people wouldn't do that because they're just, you know, it's, I wasn't being crabbed, but you have to be a hawk. So I, was, I did it in a very gentle and, and, you know, subtle way. And that takes, that's a certain art in, in itself, the getting to agree that, you know, you basically have to sell yourself to them and win them over and explain to them what they're, what, what you're going to do. <laughs> Actually, funny story about the military. Well, they, see, I, I wanted to tie that together because I think a lot of times, just, I mean, I talked to a lot of dudes that were in the military and we have a way of just cutting through the bullshit, you know, yeah. just being like, yo, you know, this is... also a New York thing. Yeah. That's a New York thing, too. I always say in L.A., it's, it's, L.A. is very fake. It's because what I was saying earlier, no one wants to say no and everyone's your friend because they don't, everyone's like, what can you do for me or what will you maybe be able to do for me in the future? Yeah. So no one wants to, and, you know the very wordy and all over the place and everyone is buddy buddy in New York it's like in the military but particularly in New York you can't have that many millions of people on a 10 mile island and not have them cut through the shit and <laughs> New Yorkers are rude and, and, and you know they, they're crass no they're not they just, you gotta get to the fucking point mm -hmm. because you know and it's just a respected thing the military is the same way we don't have time to sit there and sugarcoat everything it's like there's a fucking order, do it. This is direct. It's like you're a fucking robot. You know how it is. You get the boot camp, you program. Yeah. You get a command and you react. And that's actually what part of it you know this is boot camp is about and part of training military is you become desensitized and then reactionary. Yeah. So it's, you're told and you do it. And that's that's what has to happen a lot. I rub a lot of people the wrong way because actually just hearing movement into my house, now I'm hitting a, I'm bumping against my girlfriend because I'm just like Boom, you got to do this, you got to do that, do that. And then, you know, she comes back, oh, is that what you want me to do, please? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, please. But do I have to fucking say that every time? We're all on the same mission here. Yeah, no, I, I hear you there, man, I hear you. It, it, I guess it's just the kind of way you look at stuff. I mean, that's why we were friends back in the day, because we looked at shit the same yeah. way. We'd sit around and go, this shit is hilarious for all the right reasons, man. Now, what do you got going on with, because uh, I, I, my wife is a big fan, like myself, of, of House of Cards, man, which is completely bananas. And I think I've, I read that you you said something about like when this last election cycle was ramping up. You're like, yeah, we're going to 
step off for a minute because it can't because it can't be as fucking bananas as what's going on in real life. And I kind of respected you for that because I was like, you know what? It's true. You want to see how this fucking thing plays out a little bit. But I just started watching the new series. Don't spoil it for me, man. But it's fucking great again, man. Now, that, now that show in particular because I know that Kevin really fucking loves Frank, man. That's like his alter ego, right? But yeah. is it one? Of, I mean, you could tell that everybody who's doing it, they have like that, uh, that whole like you know, almost uh, like it's a wine to them. Like they just love tasting that character and that that universe and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And how fun is it? Do you guys actually spend a lot of time in DC, or is it mostly done out west? No, we we, we shoot it all in Baltimore. We're right outside yeah. of Baltimore. All right. Um, and so yeah, we're all based there for a couple of days. The tax incentive that we get to um, shoot in, in Maryland. Um, that we get from the state because you know we create a lot of jobs and build an industry yeah. there, um, and then the close proximity to DC gives us the ability to shoot exteriors when we need to. Okay, yeah. Not that we have, not that we actually shoot much there now, because um, as Bowie creator used to say, uh, they don't like it when a bunch of big trucks are parked outside of government buildings. So it's not easy, you know, when we show up with our crew or yeah. <laughs> camera trucks and everything. It's yeah. not easy to go there, um, but. Uh, yeah, it, it's a lot of people thought that it was going to be very difficult for us just to, and not mean this in a pun, but to trump reality. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we actually, all five seasons, or the first four seasons, what we had shot actually ended up becoming what reality was. Yeah. And a lot of times it was, it was in step with when we released with like what was going on. And so people thought that, oh, we were just like pulling from the headlines and doing that. And that wasn't the case. Yeah. We had all this stuff written and it had all been shot well before, you know, obviously it was recently released and happened. I used to joke with Bo uh, Willman, the original creator of the show, that fuck, whatever we want to have happen in the world, we should, you should just write it. And that's <laughs> what, what happens. So then, you know, I, I don't know how many episodes you've watched, but if you watch now, it's it's sort of very close to what is happening now. So we didn't take it from that. Yeah, it kind of life imitated art, right? It just keeps happening, and it's so fucking strange. And I'm telling you, I think we just need to we need to just write what we want to have happen, <laughs> <laughs> and it'll happen. Not but, uh, no, that, that show it's taken on a life of its own, and it's. It's pretty incredible. I mean, look, Putin has his guys watching it, yeah. saying you know what, because they, they think. Well, I mean, you guys were you guys were super clever the way the characterizations because I knew that back in the day. I don't want to get too into it, but I knew that you knew a dude who was the chief of staff, and oh, yeah. and, and like and, and like I knew that you guys kind of when I, when it first came out, I was like, well, this must be pretty fucking authentic because these dudes knew some dudes, and then when it yeah. came out, I was like, wow, this is fucking great. And being over here in the UK, I saw the original one. Which yeah. is, is cool, you know, it's 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 a little bit probably 70s, you know what I'm saying, or that 80s vibe, but the way you guys do it, you actually did like a, like I'm, I'm saying this in a complimentary way, but like a Wes Anderson thing, like he creates his own universe, yeah. like all his movies. Yeah, which had to. Yeah, so you, this universe of Frank Underwood's is amazing, it's like you can have stuff that kind of goes in between you know, reality and, and fantasy and stuff, but it works in that universe, man, but it is strange how... Yeah. It, it, no, I'm sorry. It is strange how you're right that it kind of has swayed towards what you guys were your universe. Yeah, well, that was one of the one of the big concerns, and and the British version was so beloved that everyone was like, "Oh, there's no there's no way that you can you know ever top that version." And you know, and we knew that we were going to be up against the comparison, and you know that and it was such a good show. That's why we remade it here and set it in in DC. Um, and from the UK, but how it turned out, we could have never imagined. If it could have only been on the same level as the UK one, I would have been ecstatic. But the, the level we got it to is, is is incredible. And it also, we all, I mean, look, we were under the gun, and this goes back to what we were saying earlier you know, trusting yourself and, you know, how long have I been doing stuff, you know, online and talking about Trigger Street, TriggerStreet.com, and stuff I was doing yeah. uh, then and streaming. When we first announced that we were doing this on Netflix and it's going to be the first original programming for Netflix, everyone was like, what? You're doing, you're, you have a David Fincher directed show starring Kevin Spacey and you're putting it on the internet? Yeah, I remember it, you guys, you guys told me one time, we were chilling at Kevin's downtown and this, I don't know how many years ago it was, but you were saying that you had this idea that, you know, 
it was almost as if, what was it? You'd go see a film, then you could leave the movie theater. If you wanted to buy the DVD, it would be out there for you. Because, like you said, people aren't going to always go to the movie theater. There's going to be different ways to yeah. digest movies. And I remember that How long, how long ago was that? You got a good memory. Yeah, that must be 15, six, six, yeah, 15 long, years ago. No, my my years ago. idea was that when you walk out, because everyone's got a high when they come out yeah. of a movie that they enjoy. And this one, DVDs were still a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the whole thing was. That as you're coming, as you're leaving the movie theater, you can buy the DVD for the movie you just saw and and sell it on that high, so that the studios uh, could double dip in, into the, the, the profits there. That you can't do that now, but now that's why I'm pushing now day and day releasing. Give the people ability to watch it at home, pay a premium mm-hmm. and watch it at home if they can't or don't want to go to the theater. Um, that's that's going to come and that's going to happen as well. Uh, it's just the theaters are resistant to that, and but oh, yeah, I mean, maybe guys like me that are gonna that are gonna change that. Well, I think it, I think it's mad forward thinking because I remember back when it was starting to be file sharing, which was an issue for film later on. But early it was a music thing. I was talking to this guy yeah. at my old label, and he was a product manager, and I was like, "Yo, you guys should really pay attention to it now. We can control this." I go, what do you mean yeah. control this? No, we, it's, it was, I was like, you're crazy, man. This shit is uncontrollable already, and you're already saying you can control it. And no one wanted to jump on board with a lot of stuff, I guess, for fear of the unknown. But I guess it's guys like you that were like, look, you know what? People are going to do what they want to do in their own time now, because time is the, the most expensive commodity, right? So you're not well, going to... Yeah, know? no, and we, we live in a DVR society, and people, it's like... You know, that's an old school way of thinking, and not that there's, the theater experience will never go away. It's always going to be there, but it's if you don't adapt, you'll die. Yeah. And also, the studio system. And I used to uh, talk about like, okay, yeah, the, if the film business doesn't learn from the music business of what's happening to the music business at the time that you were just talking about, same thing's going to happen to us once the bandwidth opens up, yeah. and it did. So now they're still trying to hang on to these old antiquated systems. But the DVR society that we live in right now, I want to be able to, I don't, I don't want to have to be somewhere at 730 and mm-hmm. pay $15 for parking and $20 for park uh, popcorn. And, you know, now that we have kids, you have to pay for a babysitter mm-hmm. and you got, you know, somebody sitting in front of you on a cell phone or talking or interrupting and, you know, you got to take a piss and you you sit there and hold it and while you're watching a bad movie and you trade your myth of bad plot points so you're, you know, fucking, you because know, we're older and it's harder to hold a piss. <laughs> so I want to be able to sit down with either myself or have a couple friends over, grab a beer, 708. Yeah. You guys ready to start it? Yeah, all right, hold on, wait, I got to send this text. All right, all right, here we go. Fucking start it and go. And... Wait, what did they just say? Let me rewind that. Because, mm-hmm. you know, my hearing's going because I'm getting older, too. <laughs> rewind it. Fucking so I don't miss anything. Halfway in, have to take a piss. Pause. Get up. Get a couple beers. Come back down. Sit down. Take a piss. Start it. And go. Yeah. Watch it on my own time and my convenience. And you know what? I would pay a premium for that. Oh, yeah. I, I would pay 60 80 not depending on what the movie is, and let the market determine what that price is going to be. Right now... Whatever movie came out, like Wonder Woman or whatever it was that came out this last weekend, and with Mummies coming out this weekend, and whatever the movie was the weekend before, I haven't seen, I don't even remember last time I've gone to movies. But if I could do that, what I'm just saying now, and sit on my couch and get the latest release and pay a premium for it, I would do that. And my industry, it's, it's so frustrating to me because that's money we're leaving on the table. Yeah, yeah. And it's also, you know what people do? And I'll be the first minute. I've done it as well. It's very easy to go and get a torrent and watch it and do it that way. But you get a poorer quality and it's more difficult to do, but it's always, as I've always said, give the people what they want, how they want it, and they'll pay for it. Yeah, I mean, you just look at like the the biggest music retailer in the world is iTunes, right? Yeah. They they are doing film. They're doing a lot because, like you said, the bandwidth opening up, people can stream stuff now. It, I'd rather, you know, it's, it's you know, like I could go get free music if I just had a couple more keystrokes, but I'll just go to the iTunes and see if they have it. It's just easy. It's easier. Now. Yeah, it's just, you know. <laughs> it's easy. It's legit. It's your shit's there. It keeps it all categorized. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just easy. It's there. 
and it's what 99 cents for a song or dollar yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. it is like yeah whatever no big fucking deal as opposed to going and going doing this you don't know what you get, or where you get yeah it. I mean especially like, if you go on one of those sites uh, and and you know I've been told that they have a lot of pop-up windows and the, and it's all dubbed in <laughs> Russian whatever you know and it, you know I, I get Hollywood insider I know what's going on man <laughs> but it, it is one of those things where people would do the right thing if they're given that as the first option you know what I mean like yeah. people are good deep down so if you go hey look just hit hit this button right here and you get it the way you want it HD you can have it forever or you can go over here and listen to it and with Russian subtitles and a fucking horrible quality but it's, you, know, <laughs> you know I think yeah, no, and then it's then it's all that's all money gone and it's and that, then you're what they're actually doing, they're encouraging piracy by not doing this. And it's actually the theaters that are causing it because the theaters are the ones that are most resistant to it. Yeah. Because right now, the theater, and I, I say it as I piss all the theater owners off when I say it, but the theaters, they take 50% of the box. So if they're showing yeah. your movie, you're the Huey Studio, and they're showing your movie, they're, you're only getting 50% of what it's doing. They're taking the other 50%, but then they're also taking all the concessions, all that $20 popcorn and soda. They're then taking all that, too. What, I, what I've said a lot is, you know what? If I had the control, and I don't have the control, if I had the control, I would be like, wait, your theater doesn't exist without our content. So if you want our content, you're going to pay us for it. And we're going to take a piece of your concessions. I'd fucking flip that bitch. Peter Grant, those motherfuckers, man. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Grant was the, the manager of Led Zeppelin. Remember that story? He was like, yeah, yeah you want them to come to America? A million dollars. Like, just a million dollars? Yeah. goes, for each member of the band. And they're like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> No, but for real, I mean, content is king. And it's been king for a while. And I know that was kind of like where you, that was where you were coming from. And like, look, if you, it, like, for instance, like the Netflix thing, you guys kind of put Netflix on the map, right? And you know you did. And it's like, that's great that you'd be able to kind of shape the way people digest art. And I think that's great that people can do it the way it's easiest for them to do. But at the same time, do you think, well, what, do, you, do you think that like because, because like say the theaters, it, it is an industry that might be have to be a fatality of movies going into the next 50 years? No, I don't think that... I don't think theaters, what movie theaters, will ever go away. I think it's an experience that will always be there. It's like going out to a concert, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but it needs to improve, and I, I think it, it needs to it needs to improve in, in ways that the audience are embracing movies uh, in a in a bigger way than they are now. That starts with doing things like I was talking about before, and to enhance the experience. Because look, there's always there's date nights, there's event movies, there's hot summers, people want to go for the air conditioning. Um, it's, it's, it, it can be a, a, well, in some places it can be an economical way to take the whole family out and do some, you know, one thing with the whole family. There's a lot of reasons that the theaters won't ever go away and they're still doing well. And I think what they're, what they're cannibalizing though themselves and they're, what they're afraid of is the day they release and cannibalizing themselves. But I think in turn it's, it's doing the reverse. Um, where I think if you get people and continually keep them as interested in movies now by doing what I would like, I'm not giving the theaters any money, but I'm also not giving the studios any money because I'm, I'm not seeing it. Yeah. But if you if you get me into a groove or somebody that's not, it's, you just keep that movie watching experience in play, I think people be more enticed to go to a theater for bigger event movies or for any other reasons I, I was saying. Yeah, I mean, but when I get there... Don't make it like the arc light. You ever go to the arc light? Yeah, yeah it's a great one. Where you know, yeah. it's a signed CD, stadium CD. Yeah. They come out. They um, they introduce the movie. If anybody is like on their phone or whatever, they, they monitor and they come. And they, you know, it's it's a, like it's a a proper place. It's yeah. like uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not. It's like a film right? film lovers place. I think almost like that's what theaters are turning into. Like I, I think when you said event movies are things that people don't really realize. But like if I'm gonna see Star Wars, I got a dope ass sixty five inch media room thing happening in, in my house. I'll go chill there with my I'll be among my family on a nice sofa. But man, I'd go to a movie theater to see a Star Wars or something like no, that. There, there is something about seeing something with an audience yeah. too. Something like that. Star Wars, you want to go and see that on or whatever you know the next big event movie is. 
like Fifty Shades of Grey, for example. That's it's man. ladies knocked out. They all no, word, word up, man. Yeah. Yo, you did a lot for freaks around the world. You know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't me, it was DLJ. Well, you know what I'm saying. You brought that shit around to everybody, man. But there was a there was an article that I, I read when you and Kevin first got into relativity, right? And yeah. it was kind of like it was almost, and I, I don't take this the wrong way, but it was kind of like the disbelief that yeah. like CNN had when Trump won the presidency. They were like, uh, this is not really happening. Like some Rachel Maddow kind of like confused explanation. Like this is us now. Oh my God, these people have taken over the, it's like the inmates have taken over the asylum. And, and I was just thinking, yo, shit could not be in better hands than the two of you guys. That's what I was, I mean, I don't know who's freaking out, but then I realized the people that are motivated by things that are that are bullshit are going to be freaked out by you because you're not motivated by that bullshit and I think that's great. Well, I guess you know how how is it being being like one of the people that is running a film studio, man? That's a pretty heavy. Well, deal. I left. I don't know. I left. No, how was it? Oh, well, <laughs> I know you did it for a minute. Yeah, I mean it must have been pretty crazy. That's why I want to know how was it. How was it? Um, it, it, was, it was great initially, and I, what I thought I was going to be able to do, but ultimately the financing didn't come through. And believe me, I pissed a lot of people off in the short period of time I was there. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get the runway to, to do what I was planning on doing. Um, if, if I would have, I think that, that was the big – everyone was like, why did you take this? You were doing so well as a producer. Trigger Street was one of the hottest production companies, and – Relativity was, you know, was bankrupt. My whole thing was, look, it was bankrupt when I came in. How much worse can it get? You know? <laughs> and if it works out, then then great. And if it doesn't, then I right, well, it was bankrupt when I came in, and you know, I, I'll just exit, which ultimately I, I ended up doing. Um, but I I thought that we were going to have financing in place, and I was going to have runway to be able to, to to do that. And that was like that would have been a key time for for somebody like me to do a lot of stuff that I, like I've done in the past and you're creating ways and disrupting shit in, yeah. in, the, in the right, right way. And if I was able to have that wrong way to build a studio up to a um, place I wanted it to be, then I could have started making those changes and, and, you know, been a leader and had it basically forced a lot of people to, to follow that path and then essentially enlighten a lot of people to what could be done. Um, but like I said, I didn't, I didn't get the opportunity and it was, it was, it was a great experience for me uh, for the short period of time I was there because I got to see how it worked on the inside. Yeah. That's yeah. Cause if you're going to change shit, that's how you do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, but it was very educational just even when I go and take a project as a producer now, uh, you know, back to doing what I, what I've always done. I have a better understanding of what's happening on the inside, so I just log that and use that to my advantage when I you know, deal with other projects now. Yeah, I, I guess it makes you a better producer if you know what the motivations of people at a studio would be. I, I mean, I can't, I can't really fathom like how. I mean, there was a what was that crazy uh, Coen Brothers uh, with James Brolin uh, played the studio head. Oh, um, 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 God! Um, it was a bomb, but it was a good movie, man. No, what the hell was it? Uh, was it Hell Caesar? Or? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was Hell Caesar, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought I, I liked that movie. I thought that was funny. Yeah, but, it was all two inside baseball. Though. Yeah, it was though, man. I mean, the, the limited stuff I know, I was catching a couple inside jokes, but it was just one of those things where where James Brolin's character was like. It was so well written because no one in Hollywood's like that, man. The guy was just like, I'm a straight shooter. That's who I am. I'm a straight shooter. I'm making it happen. And you know, that was the funny part about it, that everybody's yeah. just kind of like, you know, really bugging out, man. I know that... No, but having, having that inside uh, perspective... And actually, um, Mike DeLuca, who I produce a lot with, you know, he used to be the head of New Line and then he's head of production at DreamWorks and then he was the head of production at Sony for a short period in between us making films. Um he, I learned so much from him, though, because him being the head of a studio and the head of production at a couple of studios, he knew exactly what was thinking and what, what, what the thinking was both before we had a meeting or a call or the reason for a note or an email. He knew, he totally knew the, uh, um, the reason behind it, knew how to react to it and how to deal with it, which really helped us get movies uh, pushed forward. So it was it was a good little peek behind the curtain, but I'll just use my advantage for projects going forward. Yeah, speaking of going forward, what what is on the horizon for you, dude? Aside from moving into your house, man, is this your office? I'm kind of looking at. 
That's the dining room right now. Right now, it's the staging area for all the booze. This is the staging area <laughs> for the booze, man. Yeah, because from from the dining room, go anywhere in the house. It's the equal <laughs> distance. <laughs> but it's more of a central location. Um, season five, as you know, is out on, yeah. on Netflix now. House of Cards. We're going to start season six in the uh, in the fall. Um, and then uh, I have a, a show that I just. Uh, I was the executive producer on about Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. Yeah, man. That's uh, uh, with uh, Sam Worthington and uh, Paul Bettany. Oh, really? uh, I like Paul Bettany, man. Yeah, he plays Ted Kaczynski. Really? Oh, shit, really? Yeah. I like that, dude. Um, Oh, man, yeah, he's cool, man. Yeah, so that that comes out uh, August 1st on Discovery's eight episodes. Um, I got a bunch of projects I'm still doing in development. I'm working to start a, a film fund, so I'm, I'm you know, going out on my own and going to do my own, my own thing. But other than that, I've just been kind of laying low and not really hanging out with my daughter and moving into to my new house. So just kind of <laughs> fucking laying low. Yeah, yeah, I tell you, enjoy life, man, especially with youngins, man. That's why I always say I'm, I, I have... The I have the wealth that I could spend. You know, the wealth is spending time with your children, man. Because that's like yeah. you only can be that age once, dude. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, yeah, dude, I'll tell you if you ever need any bit, bit acting, I can I can remember a couple lines, not many anymore, but you know enough to be like, yes, Mister President. Well, the, <laughs> well, well the, the 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 first and only time that I worked with you, that was a silent film. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do it. My, <laughs> I, I am known I for do my voice. Where I give you where we just hear your voice. I'm known for my voice, dude. <laughs> I'm sure you know this for yourself now that you've tuned in, but it's pretty awesome to get 45 minutes on Skype with one of the biggest producers in Hollywood. Now, I hope you enjoyed the pod and you're ready for what's coming out next. It's my man, DJ Uncle Mike, yo. Another one of my guys from way back in the day. If you enjoyed that King pod last week, you're going to love the Uncle Mike pod. He's one of the longest serving DJs on the New York City club scene, still rocking bods to this day. And it's all down to Uncle Mike that FLC even got signed. So you have him to thank for that. And he tells the story from his perspective. And it's the first time I heard it. And it's pretty awesome. So you look out for that one. Drop it in your favorite podcast joint. That'd be iTunes, Acast, Stitcher, whatever your good podcaster got. That's going to be coming out next week. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And leave us one of them nice reviews on the iTunes. Let us know you love us and keep the sponsors happy. Everybody's got to pay the bills so we can keep doing this for you. All right. Thank you very much. Until next time, stay classy. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.